And our gospel reading comes to us from Matthew, from the 20th chapter today. For the kingdom of heaven, let me make sure, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go out into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. And when he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. About five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. And when those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. You may be seated. <clears throat> I invite you to pray with me this morning. Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort and a word of challenge, a word of hope and a word of guidance for our lives. Make our hearts soft and plant your word in us, that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. Are you envious because I am generous? That line. When was a time in your life when, when you felt an intensity of jealousy so much so that you could feel it deep down in your guts? You know what I mean? Maybe after you saw the blessing or good fortune, success in another person's life who, in your humble estimation, didn't deserve it. Anybody ever been there? It's okay. You can confess. It's church. We'll forgive. <laughs> Has there ever been a, a season in your life where you found yourself so fixated on the seeming perfection in the lives of others that you allowed comparison to rob you of the joy in your own life? Friends, there are few poisons in the world that, uh, that damage our hearts and our minds more effectively and more efficiently than jealousy. Jealousy, it's, it's subtle, yet it's a powerful toxin, and once it gets into our spiritual bloodstreams, it starts to taint every other aspect of our lives. And it's a challenge because the culture we live and move in today seems to encourage jealousy and comparison and envy at every turn. But thankfully today, we have a word from God that cuts right into the heart of this struggle. This story about generosity and jealousy, about abundance and scarcity, fairness and grace. Jesus gives us a deep, brilliant and challenging parable today. And you know, when I consider the aspects of the story that really challenge the status quo, I find myself 
considering these opening words, the kingdom of heaven is like. And depending on how we hear the story, that can be a strange thing to say, right? I mean, did Jesus just say that the kingdom of heaven is like unfair pay? Did Jesus just say that the kingdom of heaven is like an unsustainable business practice? It can be challenging, right? But like most parables, Jesus is able to brilliantly weave in things layer upon layer, things that hold both promise and challenge, both hope and conviction, and leaves us wondering and wrestling and scratching our heads. So I want to take a deep dive into this text and see what we find here today. And the first thing I want to lift up is a bit of context that I think helps us understand what's going on here. Um, There's three kind of key things that are good to know as we dive into the story. First is this. Jesus is speaking in a worldview, a culture where, where day labor was kind of the norm. That was their market economic system, an agrarian society where, where working in the land, long hours of hard physical labor was the reality for many people. That was common. And I resonate with this a little bit. I think back to my childhood on the farm and, and baling hay. That was one thing where you worked for the day and you got paid at the end of the day. And, and at that season in my life as a teenager, this was my least favorite parable because I was certain that I worked harder than my brother and my cousin and I deserved more. I did not like it when my dad would quote this parable to me, by the way. <laughs> But that's the first piece. Uh, The second piece is vineyards, this idea of a vineyard. This is Jesus using the common language of the people. Vineyard was something they could understand and they knew about, but it's deeper than that because the word vineyard has a rich theological significance in Scripture. It goes all the way back to, to the law and Moses and the prophets. For example, in Leviticus 19, it says this, "'You shall not strip your vineyard bare.'" Or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. A sense of generosity. Uh, Then later in Isaiah 5, God uses the word vineyard as a metaphor for Israel, for all of God's people. It says this, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. The people of Judah are his pleasant planting. But he expected justice but saw bloodshed. Expected righteousness but heard a cry. So this word vineyard means a lot. There's a lot going on there. And the third piece of context is in the the language Jesus uses, which is hard to notice without digging into the Greek for a bit. So a couple things. If we go back to verse 2, the first thing we heard when the landowner first goes out to hire the laborers at the beginning, it says this, after agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage. Now, two things to notice here. One is agreeing with. They come to an agreement, like a contract, right, for the day. And the second piece is this language, a usual daily wage. In the Greek, it doesn't say that. It actually says a denarius, a specific coin, a specific unit of pay that's equal to what was the norm for a day's work. So that's what we see, agreeing for a denarius. But then if you move on, the next people the landowner hires, he uses different language. It says in verse 4, and I will pay you whatever is right. Now, what's interesting to me is the word in Greek uh, for pay is apodos, and that's not the word Jesus uses. He uses the Greek word doso, which is the word forgive. So a more correct translation, and some other versions of the Bible translate it this way, is I will give you whatever is right. And the word right is interesting, too, because when I first hear this, I think the word fair, right? Many of us do. There's a word for fair in Greek called kalos. That's not this word. 
This word is dikaios, which is the root word for righteousness. It means being right as in being just. Do you see the difference? With the first laborers, the landowner goes out and says, I'm making an agreement to pay you a wage of a denarius. But later he says, I promise to give you whatever is right. Interesting. So with that in mind, we dive back into the story. So at the end of the day, he gets out uh, the ancient checkbook, which I envision is like a bag of coins because they didn't have Venmo yet, and he tells the manager to pay them. And it would only make sense to start with those who had come first and worked the way down the line. But he flips it, and it makes us wonder, had he not done that, he could have avoided all this argument and controversy in the first place and just been quietly generous, but he doesn't, right? The story Jesus tells has a landowner reverse the order so that everyone will see exactly what he's doing because he wants them to see. He wants to teach them something, which means Jesus wants to teach us something. So what is Jesus trying to reveal to us about the nature of God? I see four key things in this story. First, God is generous. We have a generous God, an outrageously generous God. The second thing is that God provides for all and provides enough, enough for each day. Give us this day our daily bread, right? The third thing, we have a God of abundance, there is plenty for, to go around for everyone. There's no need to worry about running out. We don't have a God of scarcity. We have a God of abundance. And then finally, God operates out of grace over fairness. God operates out of grace over fairness. For that, I say thanks be to God, because if God gave only in response to what I deserve, I would be in big trouble. And we could stop right here and shout, hallelujah, thanks be to God. But I want to look just at one more verse, a little deeper. Uh, the end of verse 6 into verse 7. Uh, this is the last time the landowner goes out. Notice he went out all throughout the day. At 5 o'clock when he goes out the last time, there's this interesting exchange. He looks at those still there and says, Why are you standing here idle all day? Two things to notice. One, the word idle. He's asking them, Why aren't you working? And second, he says, All day. Which indicates they were there how long? all day, right? It, they weren't there because, at the end of the day because they were late or because they were lazy or didn't want to show up on time to work. They were there all day. And so how do they respond? They say, because no one has hired us. No one would hire us. You know, in a, think about it. In a physically intense day labor market world, who is going to get picked first to work? And who's going to get picked last each day? Who's going to get passed over and then passed over the next day and the next day after that? It's going to be the weak or the small or, or those that are maybe a little too old or, or anyone who has a physical limitation or disability of any kind. And the story at the end of the day is like most days where those remaining were the ones who were overlooked, who were passed by, who were left out. Imagine what that must have felt like. Night after night, you, you've been waiting all day, just longing for a chance to do something, to work, to earn for your family, but you walk home empty-handed with your, your stomach growling and this sense of shame over your shoulder, and you open that door to your humble home, and your spouse looks at you with hopeful eyes, and you slowly shake your head and say, I'm sorry, honey, nothing again today. 
and you look your kids in the eye who've just been waiting for you to get home all day and you say, Daddy loves you so much. And maybe tomorrow I'll be able to bring something. I I promise to try. You see, that was the day-to-day reality for so many people. But in the parable, not that day. Because the thing is, in the kingdom of heaven, no one is overlooked. In the kingdom of God, it's like a landowner who goes out again and again and again, inviting all those who have been passed over to come. It's like one who goes out as many times as it takes to find those who were lame or left behind or left out and say, I see you. I choose you. And there is always going to be a place for you in my vineyard because no one is overlooked in the kingdom of God. Friends, if you have ever been the one that's been overlooked or or passed by or passed over, hear these words. You are seen. You are loved. You are known by God. And something changes in us when if we've been going without if we've been passed over and struggling for so long and then you finally experience that that invitation of God the generosity of God the abundance of God something starts to stir inside you it it's this work like a seed that's planted that becomes a vineyard like a tiny mustard seed that grows into this magnificent tree and it's something that takes root in your heart this work that begins in you I think that's what Paul is talking about in Philippians uh, 1.6 that we heard today. For I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. And this is our memory verse for the week, so I'm actually going to invite you to read this with me because it's such a good word for us. Ready? I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, you are seen, you are known, and you are loved by a generous God, by a provider God, by a God of abundance who operates out of grace over fairness. God will never stop seeking you and will never overlook you. And if you find yourselves maybe sometimes falling back into rhythms of jealousy or envy or comparison, remember this. Remember how God sees you. Remember what God has done for you. Because as Pastor Amy said last week, uh, God's grace is something that we can never pay back. All we can do is try to pay it forward. And that's pretty good news because you know what? The remedy for jealousy is generosity. The, The cure for comparison is kindness. Pay it forward. And so as you go out this week, I want to leave you with two things to ponder, invite you to consider these two things. First, remember and reflect on what God has done in your life. Really take some time to look back and and remember and look back over the course of your life. Where has God shown up? Where has God moved? Where has God provided? Maybe where has someone been led into your life to speak that word of hope or grace or mercy that you needed to hear? Remember and reflect what God has done. And then once you are there, then you can pray and ask God, who is overlooked today? God, who has been written off that you might be leading me to seek out with your grace, with your generosity, and invite into your vineyard, invite into your kingdom life? Will you pray with me? Lord God, you are generous, you are gracious, And sometimes we uh, want to demand fairness, but 
you operate out of grace instead. Lord, thank you for the times when you've seen us, when we felt overlooked or unloved. Thank you for seeking us out, even when we aren't just ignored but try to hide, God. Thank you for coming after us again and again. Lord, help us to remember and receive your grace and help us to be the kind of people who reflect that back out to those in need of a word of hope and love and kindness. God, be with us as we go forth this week that we might reflect your grace to the world. In Jesus' name, we give thanks and pray. Amen.